Welcome to Device Week. I'm editor Reed Miller, and with me today is fellow editor Marion Webb and our UK-based journalist Barnaby Pickering. So Barnaby, this week you wrote a story about Zimvi. Now Zimvi is Zimmer Biomet's spin-off spinal and dental business. So what is going on with that right now? Sure, Reed. So early last year, February, Zimmer Biomet announced that it would be spinning off its spine and dental businesses in order to focus on its core ortho offerings. Products being spun off included the Rosa Spine Robotic Surgery System and a ton of dental implants. General consensus from analysts at the time viewed it as really good news. Even though these products accounted for nearly a billion dollars of revenue each year, the general mindset was that Zimmer underperformed in these sectors and they served as a massive distraction. In response to the announcement, Zimmer's share price rose about 15% over the course of the month and buy ratings across the board improved. All right, well, it sounds like the investors liked that decision. So what happened to Zimvi? So over the past few months, Zimmer has been announcing board members at Zimvi, as well as carving out all the financial entities necessary. Roughly 80% of the shares of Zimvi were distributed on the 16th of February, and off-market trading saw these rise from an initial $28 to $38 by the time it hit the Nasdaq on the 28th. However, when these shares hit the public exchange, their prices plummet. By the end of the week, they'd lost a third of their value, with investors shying away from the company entirely. So why did that happen? So there were several reasons. The first is simply what Zimvi represents. Zimvi is a spin-out and nobody except universities spin out products or businesses unless they absolutely have to. At the time of the initial announcement, Debbie Wang at Morningstar Research speculated that Zimmer may have already shopped its spine and dental businesses around, but found no buyers. This is particularly alarming as everyone knows that 2021 was a year of dumb money. If it had something to do with the life sciences sectors, you could sell it. The fact that Zimmer failed shows they grossly overestimated the business's worth. It's no surprise the public knows this and the share price reflects that. The second is the debt accrued by Zimvi as part of the transaction. Shares were distributed in a way where if a shareholder held 10 shares of Zimmer, they were given one share of Zimvi. This quote-unquote gift was not thanks to Zimmer's selflessness, but thanks to a $500 million debt accrued by Zimvi. This debt will need to be paid off, and for a business with an estimated $1 billion of revenue, it's going to hang around for quite some time. Moreover, we don't know the profit margins of Zimvi's products. We have analyst estimates and vague comments from previous Zimmer earnings calls, but only time will tell whether any of Zimvi's products are commercially viable. And the final obvious reason is how the shares were distributed. That 10 to 1 ratio I mentioned earlier only applied if you owned whole multiples of 10 shares in Zimmer. If you own, let's say, 5 or 7 or 25 shares, you would have a partial share of Zimvi allocated to you. This partial share isn't something you can hold with a new company. Partial shares barely exist anyway, and therefore this was sold. This would have been a massive sell-off and also likely followed by large funds who simply did not want another liability on their books. I'll be interested to see how that works out. Marin, you recently wrote an in-depth story on women's health. What can you tell us about that? Yes, Reed. So this was the first in-depth piece of a planned series on women's health or femtech, where we'll be discussing some of the biggest opportunities in this space. And there are significant unmet needs. I'll highlight companies and we'll talk to experts. 
for this story that I just published, it was really great to speak to three leaders in the femtech space. Brittany Barreto, she's a geneticist and also the head of Coyote Ventures. Manisha Gia, who is the founder of Fem Health Ventures. And Dr. Jane Van Dies, who is a practicing OBGYN and assistant professor at the University of Rochester and also an investor and advisor to companies. So Coyote Ventures and the nonprofit Femtech Focus, which is also run by Brittany Barreto, published the Femtech Landscape Report last year, and that really provided a great overview of the entire Femtech landscape. And that includes a wide range of solutions from consumer packaged goods to apps, diagnostics, and devices. The report put the market size for women's health at a whopping $1.2 trillion by 2027 and anticipates that 35% of the market size for femtech will be in chronic conditions and reproductive health and 15% in breast and uterine health, which may be surprising to some listeners. So can you talk about some of the unmet needs in this space? Yes, Reed. There are actually several uh, that I will explore in even more depth in upcoming stories. But one of the major clinical unmet needs is endometriosis, which affects one in 10 women of reproductive age and really can cause debilitating pain and infertility. Dr. Van Dies told me that it can take years, in some cases even 10 years, to diagnose this disease, which he said in part, and I quote, is a failure of the patriarchy, which determines where funding goes in medical research and a lack of support for women's health, end quote. Currently, laparoscopy is the only way to conclusively diagnose endometriosis, and that is a very invasive surgery that carries risk and is also very costly. So other areas of unmet needs include behavioral health, menopause, and chronic diseases. And I'll be talking to more experts to learn about some of these areas. Well, thank you for that, Merton. And we look forward to your upcoming coverage on this femtech space. Now, this month is also a big conference month for you, where you will be traveling to some different meetings. Yes, that's correct. And next week, I'll be covering the LSI Emerging MedTech Summit in Dana Point Live. So be on the lookout for tweets from that conference and more coverage. And then the following week, I'll actually be uh, traveling to Chicago to cover the annual meeting of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, which I've covered now for several years. So I'm looking forward to talking to innovative and established companies, KOLs in orthopedics, and also covering sessions and news on behalf of MedTech Insight. That sounds great. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about all those uh, topics in the future, and we look forward to hearing what you find out at these meetings. Now, you can read all about these topics that we just talked about and a whole lot more right now at medtechinsight.com. Some of the things we have going on right now, we have an article there that I wrote about an Australian company called Saluda. Now, they're entering the U.S. spinal cord stimulation device market, which is getting increasingly competitive because there's a potential huge need for non-opioid solutions to pain. We also have a lot of coverage from Washington about the new Badoof by user fee deal between industry and the FDA. There's an article about uh, the new budget and how that might affect healthcare and a whole lot more. The archive of Device Week and the rest of Informa Pharma Intelligence's podcasts are available on the Informa Pharma Intelligence channel. That's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify. And you can also follow us at Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. I'm at MedTech Reed with two E's. Marion is M-A-R-I-O-N. And Barnaby is at MedTech Barney. Thanks and have a great week. 